Turn with me once more to Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15. Our text for this morning's message will be from the first 15 verses from which we read earlier. Mark chapter 15, the first verse reads, And straightway in the morning the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate, all the way down to verse number 15, which reads, And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. Amen. Our title for this morning's message is Jesus or Barabbas. Jesus or Barabbas. If you turn on the media today or you turn on the news, you will notice there's a greater degree of division in our land, a greater degree of division between one side and another side. Those who wish to promote things such as that, you can be anything you want to be, or to put it another way, you are anything that you feel that you are. That is one side. They say that a boy can become a girl, and a girl can become a boy. And then there are those on the other side who see and realize the truth that you cannot. And the division between both sides, I think you'll all notice and see this, is growing more and more by the day. And so when it comes to times of elections and other things like that, and you have to pick a candidate or someone to represent you in government, who we choose will often say a lot about our values. Issues such as abortion. Is human life that has the same value outside of the womb as it does inside of the womb? Does the person representing you know what a woman is? And these are all questions that have come up in recent times because men have rejected the light of nature as revealed by God. That there are two genders and that man was made in the image and likeness of God. And we will answer before Almighty God. So the people we choose, the people we get behind and support can often say a lot about our own values doesn't it? How about, in this case, in our text, there are two people set before us in our text, Jesus and Barabbas. Jesus, sinless, spotless, Lamb of God. Did the people support him to be released? Or did they go with someone who is not sinless, who is not spotless, someone who showed the values of their own heart, that being Barabbas 
But what about you here this morning as we look at this text in these first 15 verses? As it comes toward the point of Jesus being crucified. Who do you love and follow? Who do you cling to? Do you love the Jesus who is revealed in the Bible? Or do you love another Jesus? Another Christ who will save you from other things besides sin? A one who will do what you want him to do, rather than the one who is given to us in Holy Scripture. And do you love him and support him? And do you follow him? Or do you do what this crowd does in our text? And that is condemn him. Our first point this morning is this. Delivered. Number one, delivered. Our first point of four. Verse number one of our text and straightway, or early in the morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. At that time, what Jesus was doing and teaching was angering the leadership. It was angering many religious people of the day. Is that a, I think we miss that sometimes. Jesus' biggest opponents often came from the leadership. It says here, the elders and the scribes, they bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. They plotted to destroy him. They tried. But by what standard did they deliver up Jesus to be judged by? Jesus was delivered to Pilate. Was Jesus to be examined against the standard they claimed they followed? That is the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. Were they testing him against the law and the prophets? Was this the Messiah, the Savior that would come unto his people and die for his people? Or did they wish to hand him over to the opinion of men? It happens so often, doesn't it, that the world will do this as well, and often in the church. We will not measure Jesus by the scripture. We measure Jesus by the opinions of men. To where was he delivered for judgment? Pilate, a Roman governor. That's fairly important. Verse number two, and Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered and said unto him, Thou sayest it. And another way of saying, Yes, you're saying rightly. The leaders, these self-righteous leaders, they, they're full of envy and pride. How dare this crowd go after him? And it angers a self-righteous leadership that the focus is on Jesus rather than the focus being on themselves. The court of man's opinion. And what do they think of the Romans? Did the Jews largely have a, have a high opinion of the Romans in that day? No, they couldn't wait to be rid of them. And here they are bringing their Messiah, 
the one who came to die in the place of sinners, they're delivering him up to the Romans. Those who they saw as occupiers. They were the problem, actually, in their view. The Messiah would come, the Christ would come, and he, as a political king, would come, rule and reign, and drive out these occupiers. But because they had such a false view of the Christ, when Jesus came with the truth, when Jesus came to suffer and die, they hated him. And they delivered him up. They sought to pilot of all people, for help. They couldn't put Jesus to death, but the Romans could. And isn't that an amazing thing? The human heart, hatred in the human heart, if it follows on and goes to where it leads, it will lead to death, killing. We see this in the Bible in Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel. Cain hated his brother because his deeds were good. He was righteous. Abel was righteous. Cain was not. And it led to murder. It led to killing. Started with hatred in the heart. So the religious leaders, they bring him to condemn him. And this is what fallen man does. All fallen men. By nature, in Adam, condemn Jesus. This is not the Savior they want. They want a different Savior. They want to save themselves. They want to find the answer within themselves. And friend, if that is you, there's no difference between you and these people delivering Jesus up to the opinion of men to be judged by a human court of human opinion. Does it matter more the opinion of heaven, or does it matter more to you the opinion of men? Men fail. And not only men, leadership. It was the leadership that bound Jesus and delivered him. So don't be too much confidence in anyone in leadership. If you hear something... From the word of God. Test all things. Is it in line with the scriptures? This is the infallible rule by which we test all other things that are taught. It is this standard, the word of the living God. Where are you this morning? Do you... Look at Jesus through the eyes of Scripture, or do you look at Jesus through the eyes of human opinion? Do you condemn Jesus? Well, you say, well, I don't condemn him, but I'm not ready to trust him. Well, friend, you do condemn him. If you do not trust in Jesus, you have said he is not enough. You have said his blood is not enough. You have said, I am a good person. I don't need to be saved. This is what unbelief says. It condemns Jesus. Condemns Jesus to the court of human opinion. Friends, before the court of heaven, 
Jesus is innocent. Jesus is spotless. Jesus is righteous. Jesus is the one God the Father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, full of grace and truth. He has kept the law and every jot and every tittle. And this is the one that unbelief condemns. This is the one whom we must trust for our salvation. So number one is delivered. Number two now, declared. Declared. Some who reject Jesus as king, as their Messiah, would claim that he's not clear enough. That the claims of Jesus in the New Testament, that he never claimed to be God. Friends, that is a nonsense. An absolute nonsense. Jesus, over and over, has declared himself in his earthly ministry and otherwise to be the Son of God, to be the one whom we are to look toward. As Jesus said in verse number two, what did Jesus say to Pilate's question? Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answering said unto him, thou sayest it, thou sayest it, or you could put it another way, you have rightly said this is also seen in another place in Luke 22 and verse 66. Luke 22 and from verse 66. I'm going to read down to verse 70, but verse 66. And as soon as it was day, the elders of the people and the chief priests and the scribes came together and led him into the council saying, Art thou the Christ? Tell us. And he said unto them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I also ask you, you will not answer me, nor let me go. Hereafter shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of the power of God. Then said they all, Art thou then the Son of God? And he said unto them, ye say that I am. Now he said that, ye say that I am. Verse 71, and they said, what need we any further witness? For we ourselves have heard of his own mouth. Now they saw this as evidence to condemn him. But he was affirming over and over again. Yes, he said that he was the Messiah, the Christ the Son of God, the King of the Jews. What was hurled as an accusation by the people and the leaders was actually what he was, and they, they mocked him. They broke the third commandment the way they spoke about him. And over and over again, Jesus declared who he was, but would they listen? Not at all. Friends, do you hear him here this morning? As he is declaring himself in the scriptures, as he is declaring himself in the preached word, every Sabbath day, morning and evening, you hear Jesus, the word of God going forth, declaring him to be the son of God. Do you hear him? 
And hearing him is not just with the physical ears. It is, do you follow him as his sheep and him as the shepherd? Friend, you have heard that Jesus is the king of the Jews. He has been declared to you. What do we have excuses? We have the scriptures. Do we have excuses to say, well, the Bible is not clear enough. His claims to be the Messiah are not clear enough. That is not true, is it? The reason is we do not wish it to be true when we don't trust in him. We want to be our own king. We want the inheritance for ourselves. We are like those people we read of last week who saw the son being sent of the one who owned the vineyard and they killed the son and wished to have the inheritance for themselves as we sung at the beginning of this service of worship, the earth belongs unto the Lord. It belongs to Jesus Christ. It doesn't belong to us. We are without excuse. The heavens declare the glory of God. Romans 1 verse 18 tells us the wrath of God is revealed from heaven above. God in all his attributes is revealed in heaven above, enough to condemn us. So we are without excuse. We have the scriptures, we have the truth, we have the Messiah who lived and died in our place, declared to us. And friends, I hope you see how blessed you are to live in this part of the world. Don't take that for granted. Scotland, the Isle of Lewis, has been so blessed with the gospel. You have had so many blessings in this part of the world. Jesus has been declared to you over and over again. Will you listen? Have you heard him? Or are you remaining in unbelief? And I speak not just to older people. I hope the boys and girls know how important it is to trust in Jesus. Boys and girls, your parents can't believe for you. You have to look to Jesus. You have to trust the one who has been declared to you. You will stand before God one day. And if you have rejected Jesus, all those sermons that you heard, all those preachers that have pleaded with you to trust in Jesus, if you have rejected him, that will come up against you. Do you love Jesus? Do you love what is declared about him? Verse number three, look at the chief priest did in verse number three. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. There's no neutrality with this. The, the chief priests of all these lies and accusations against him. Now, there's, there's a sense in which some accusations have no basis of truth, and it's wiser to say nothing. But there's more that is being said here. Jesus may not be seen to be declaring anything, but he's declaring much in remaining silent here. He says nothing, but he actually proclaims judgment upon them. How do I say that? Isaiah 53 and verse 7. 
Isaiah 53 and verse number 7. says this in verse number seven of Isaiah 53, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is broad as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. And the Lord Jesus Christ when he suffered the mocking of mere creatures of the dust, he declared to them their guilt. They didn't see who was before them. Verses 4 and 5, and Pilate asked again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against thee? But Jesus yet answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Listen to what Augustine said about this verse. And he did not open his mouth as he passed through the process of judgment. It was in the character of a lamb that he did so. That is, not as one with an evil conscience who is convicted of his sins, but as one who in his meekness was sacrificed for the sins of others. You see what Augustine is saying here? He did not open his mouth as he passed through the process of judgment. Jesus was declared yet again to them in his silence. He opened not his mouth. And they should have known the scriptures. They had these scriptures for hundreds of years. The book of Isaiah had been there for a long, long time. See, the, the Lamb of God came to suffer and die. That was his mission. His mission was to suffer and die in our place, and that is the one we are to declare. Our third point is deception. Deception. So delivered, declared, and number three now, deception. Verse number six. Now is that feast, at that feast, he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired, and he referred to is here as Pilate. Who is the one to be released? Jesus or Barabbas? Jesus or Barabbas? One would face judgment, death, punishment, suffering. One would be treated as a criminal, and one would be set free, pardoned. One was innocent, spotless. The other was a, a, a vile criminal, a fanatic. He was a rebel. He was a dangerous insurrectionist. If he was around today, he would probably be on the front of the newspapers, a brutal killer. Most likely in that day, there was groups of people that were called dagger bearers. They were zealots. They were politically motivated, and they would attack their victims and kill people in crowds. They ordered the kind of terrorists of that day. Imagine the opinion people have of members of ISIS or members of the IRA. 
How do you get to a situation? We may look at this text and how do you get to a situation where the people professing to be religious, the people of God, how would they get to a position where they would cry out for the release of such a man? How does it get to such a position? Well, there were many of them who didn't know the Lord, but there's more to it than that. Deception needed to be taught. Deception needed to fuel that fire. They rejected Jesus. But it was far more than that. Verse 11, it says this, but the chief priests moved the people that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. Barabbas, a murderer, a dangerous man. was preferred before the Lord. And that's the tragedy of false teaching. There can be people within churches respected, respected among many, influential, that can move the people doing horrible things and rejecting Christ. No, they may not call for the death of someone, but their hatred of Christ comes out and they would just as readily accept Barabbas above Jesus were they there in that day. Friend, do you embrace Jesus? Or do you embrace deception? What this text is showing is not just, oh, look how bad they were in that day. Oh, look how horrible they were. But friends, it is showing us how horrible unbelief is. It is showing us that unless we have accepted Jesus Christ, there go we by the grace of, but for the grace of God, there go we too. The leadership, and it's a sobering thing. Friends, do you pray for the leadership, for churches? On Lewis, for churches in Harris, for churches surrounding islands, for churches across Scotland to be faithful and to not move the people against Jesus Christ. And why did they move the people against Jesus Christ? They were moved with envy, and it wasn't about them. The false teacher will want all the attention. On them. It must be about Jesus or it will be about man. Verse number 10 says this in our text For he knew, this is Pilate. Pilate knew this, and Pilate was a wicked man as well, and he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. Now, Pilate is not free from guilt here. Pilate has been condemned for the last 2,000 years, both in the scriptures and also in Christian creeds. But Pilate could see what was motivating them. He could see that they were envious. All these people were going after him. They couldn't bear that. They couldn't bear that. Friends, there are two options before. We talk about Jesus. We talk about Barabbas. 
We're talking about truth versus deception. And unless and until you have said no to deception, and unless and until you have embraced Jesus Christ, you still serve deception in one form or another. You may say, well, I don't, for I don't follow deception. I wouldn't support the crucifying of Jesus in that day. I wouldn't have supported the release of Barabbas. How many say such things? And in their hatred of one group, they will support a horrible group. We see it even today in the political movement. You see, you see people you grew up with, and they're, they're supporting things that are horrendous today. I saw recently there was a group of young people who were being sympathetic towards Osama bin Laden because they had grown up with such a hatred of the West. Now, that would sound horrendous, wouldn't it? It does sound horrendous. But if you do not have a love for Jesus, the results are ugly. Sin is ugly. Sin cries out, crucify him. Crucify him. That's what they cried out in verse 13. They cried out again, crucify him. Our fourth and final point, denied Denied. So first point again, delivered. He's been delivered up to human, the court of human opinion. Declared. He's been declared before men. We are without excuse. And number three, deception. The false teachers move the people with deception and lies so that we have the results that ended up as it was. Our final point, number four, denied. Denied. There are two options before the people. Embrace this deception or embrace Christ. Embrace deception or embrace Christ. And that is what is always set before us, isn't it? Stephen, when he speaks before the Jews, brings this out. You can also see this in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3 and verse number 13, Peter speaks of this. Acts chapter 3, verse 13, 14, and 15. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom he delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. As Peter said here, and desired a murderer to be granted to you. The contrast is stark. It's big. It's huge. Between an innocent man and a violent, dangerous criminal, a criminal worthy of death. And friends, what we have to realize with the gospel is that too is us. But for the grace of God, before the throne room of God, we too are guilty. We too are condemned criminals worthy of death just as much as Barabbas was. 
We too have broken the law of God. We too deserve the wrath of God. And that is you. Whether we're young, whether we're old, whether we're five years old, 10 years old, 20 years old, 50 years old, whatever our age is, we have broken the law of God. We've come into this world in Adam, a rebel. We haven't become rebels at a certain stage in our life. There hasn't been a point in our life where we've been good and then eventually we have become bad. We have been born sinners. That is you. And the wages of sin is death. Death. See, what happens is when we, do we embrace Jesus? Or do we love the Jesus of the Bible? One of the things that Jesus did was, is in Mark 11. Mark 11. Verses 15 to 17. Mark 11 and verses 15 to 17. And they came to Jerusalem. And Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple. And overthrew the, temple, uh, the, the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught and saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations? The house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Would we be as passionate about the house of God? About public worship? Or would we reject him? You see, we all like to think we love Jesus, but then when you pair him with what he taught, the commandments he gave, the truth, do we love him? Verse number 14 of our text. Verse number 14 of our text. And Pilate said unto them, that they just cried out, crucify him. And Pilate said unto them, why, what evil hath he done? Pilate could even see it. What evil hath he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, crucify him. They said, well, he can't possibly be the one we are looking for. Must be another. That is the heart, friends, of unbelief. There is no neutrality towards Jesus Christ. And, friend, realize this either you love him or you hate him. That can be a hard thing for us to wrap our minds around. Even many new Christians, the idea, well, I, they don't think that they ever hated Jesus. But if you don't trust and believe in Jesus, you hate him. We cannot be neutral towards Jesus. And boys and girls, it's the same for you at a young age. No matter how young you are, 8, 10, 7, 15, either you love Jesus or you hate Jesus. This is not just something for the big adults to do. We all have to look to Jesus. There's no neutrality when it comes to Jesus. And there's the ugly reality of denying Christ and who he is. Because what happens when we, when we reject this man, we embrace evil. Verse 15, 
And so Pilate, willing to contend with the people, released Barabbas unto them and delivered, Je and delivered Jesus. And when he had scourged him to be crucified. Again, Pilate is not free from any condemnation here. He is, he is the fear of man. He's following the will of the people rather than the will of God. He too, Pilate, also rejects Jesus. And he wanting to make the people happy. Which is what most politicians will try to do. Rather than follow the will of God. Two very different people set before us. Jesus or Barabbas. We may ask ourselves, why is this account given in the Bible? I wonder if you, like me, find this very difficult to read. How could this happen? How could this miscarriage of justice happen? Well, friends, this miscarriage of justice, this evil crime that they carried out upon Jesus, was used to deliver us from our sins. Jesus came to die. To see how God can use the wicked intents of people to bring about his own purposes. Jesus was condemned in our place so that we would be ourselves set free. So we ourselves, we ourselves in a lot of ways are guilty. We are guilty. We've broken the law of God. We have been set free by the blood of the Lamb. We have been set free, and we don't deserve it. None of us deserve it. None of us deserve the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, but look at what he endured. Look at what he gave. Jesus came to die. He came to be rejected. He came to be rejected of the leadership, to be mocked, to be ridiculed, to be spat upon, to be buffeted. And he endured so much for you, dear believer. Will we not give him everything that we have? Is there anything too good? Is there anything too lowly? Is there anything too difficult? Is there any level of suffering that is too much for our Savior? Not at all. He is worthy of it all. He is worthy of all the pain we have endured to follow him and far more. You see, we can become weary, can't we? We can become weary because we see the Barabbases of this world. They seem to win. And if you were living in that day and watching that court case, you would think Barabbas had won. Did Barabbas win? No. Jesus is victorious. Jesus is victorious over death and over hell. He is putting all his enemies under his feet. And this is why, friends, we must walk by faith and not by sight. Do we, going forward, support Jesus? Do we follow him? Do we love him? Or do we support evil? We can be a believer in Jesus Christ. And be drawn away by the people. We can be drawn away by popular opinion. Pilate was. Remember Pilate? Pilate really didn't want to hand him over. 
but because of the, the people. That is another warning to us as well. Just because the people are going in a certain direction doesn't mean we ought to. What does the word of God say? That's what we ought to follow. It is Jesus we're to follow. Not the will of the people, but the will of the Lord. Amen. Let us come before the Lord in prayer. Glorious and heavenly Father, great King of kings and Lord of lords, we rejoice in thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who suffered and died, who was delivered up for us all, who was rejected, came into his own, and his own received him not. And Lord, how they, they sent him to be crucified. And his death removes our eternal death. Glorious and heavenly Father. We rejoice in the victory in Jesus Christ. May we not go after a multitude to follow evil. May we follow Jesus, no matter what it costs us in this world. May we be faithful to, the, to thee. May we not follow the example of the crowd in this text. May we not follow the example of Pilate. May we not follow the example of the leadership in our text. May we follow Jesus, willing to suffer for our heavenly Father. For thou art worthy of all the praise all the honor, and all the glory, both now and forevermore. We pray all these things, asking for the pardon of our many sins, in Jesus' name. Amen.